Some of the most popular entertainment brands in the world today are sports teams. With IP being king in theme parks these days, why don't we see more parks developing sports-themed attractions? I asked that question to the experts who have designed two of the leading examples of sports attractions in the world today, the team at JRA. JRA worked on creative design for Ferrari World in Abu Dhabi and the upcoming Steelers Countryland at Kennywood, which will feature the record-setting nine-inversion steel curtain roller coaster. Joining me for the conversation are Randy Smith, the project director for Ferrari World, Rick O'Connell, the design director for Steelers Country, and Sean McCoy, the vice president at JRA. Given the popularity of sports brands around the world, I think it's a kind of interesting that we see relatively few theme parks attractions based on those themes. Is there something inherent in sports that makes them tricky to work for theme park attractions? And if so, what is it? And if not, why don't we see more? Uh, this is Rick O'Connell at JRA. And uh, I, I think um, sports can be kind of tricky, especially with individual teams, because mm-hmm. it, you know it could be an immediate turnoff for some guests. Uh, for example, if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, like myself and uh, <laughs> two gentlemen sitting to my left, you know, or, or for example, the Mercedes racing team, you right. might use the Steelers um, or Ferrari as an enemy and have no interest in visiting. Um, but with the success of Ferrari World and if Steelers Country is, is as successful as we believe it will be, uh, we think you'll start to see more team sports themed attractions pop up, especially regionally. And Rick's right. You know, this is Sean um, talking about Steelers Country specifically. I, I think that that project itself is a little bit unique and that it's located, Kennywood is located just outside of Pittsburgh, so there's definitely a, a strong affinity for the Steelers regionally, but the Steelers are also you know, one of the more uh, nationally uh, popular teams, if not globally. So I think that, that Kennywood felt comfortable in the fact that they're gonna draw both from the regional market and also uh, national market. One of the things that in Ferrari world that struck me about the development there, I mean, sports ultimately, it's all about conflict, winning versus losing. Conflict drives narratives, really. Since so many theme park attractions are narrative-driven, you'd think it'd be an easy fit. But at Ferrari World, I was struck by really the lack of conflict in anything at that park. It was really all just about the love of the race, the love of the speed, the love of the country. Uh, There was no real victory over opponents there. What was it that drove you to take that approach for Ferrari World? And should we expect something similar with... uh, Steelers country. This is Randy. Um, you know, when we were working on Ferrari, they had a they had a pretty uh, defined, I guess, mandate internally that you know it's only Ferrari. Uh, you know, they, right. they don't have they don't have a competition, any competition. But but in reality, it also is that F one has some very um, specific rules about how um, each team represents itself with other teams. It wasn't so much that they wanted to totally eliminate the competition. They were just trying to say, hey guys, you can't bash the other teams. You, you know, you, there has to be a fairness in the approach. And so there, there were actually reviews from both sides. So from Ferrari's standpoint, it was, well, we'll always be in first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really can't see anybody behind us. And then and, and we go. And, and for them, it's it's it is about passion. You know, they it, a big part of their presentation is this uh, 
you know, driving passion. So they're not, yeah, there's competition in there, but it's really about the, the love of driving. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we, you know, in the end, we all know there's, there are races and there are going to be winners and losers, but uh, we try to de-emphasize that a little bit and make it about passion. Mm-hmm. And I think you can expect a, a similar approach uh, with Steelers country and that we're going to, we're going to, uh, what we've done there is we're going to create that experience um, around the guests kind of being the hero through competition um, and making more of an exciting game day experience as well as okay. celebrating the Steelers team history on the field and in the community. Similar to F1, it, it's, it's difficult to incorporate opponents because they or um, the NFL in this case would have to approve any content in which other teams are featured. And as you might uh, might right. imagine, most opponents would probably prefer not to be featured as the loser <laughs> of a big game. No one wants to be the Washington Generals. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is Sean. I, I think that sports is also a lot about competing with yourself. You know, trying oh, to make good that, point. Good point. Trying to make that shot, you know, beat your own record. So that's how you create attractions without winners or losers, which is I know what Rick is really tapping into in the design of Steelers country where we're providing a lot of physical challenges where guests can try to improve on each visit or each try, which really gamifies the whole experience. Seems like this would go all, these type of approaches would go a long way to address that that first objection that, that you raised, which is the McLaren fans don't want to go to Ferrari world and the Eagles fans don't want to go see Steelers country. Is that part of the, the reason for these approaches too? Yeah, I, I think just this is Sean against the carry on. I think that there's certainly going to be a small number of visitors who are not going to come to a sports themed attraction because they dislike a team so much. But I think that most fans are fans of the sport, even over mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. fans, if, if you will, of their team. You know, for example, as much as I like the Cincinnati Bengals, I like football even more. So um, I'll, I'll watch a football game, even if it's not the Bengals or even it's one of our rivals, because I like the game. And right. I think that. We will carry this forward for, for projects like Steelers Country that, you know, you may not like the Steelers, but if I was a Kennywood, I would still go there because I want to try to throw a football or run the 40-yard dash or do the obstacle course. So it becomes more about the game um, for those types of fans than just about the brand. Yeah. And also, I mean, Kennywood is such a beloved regional park with a proud history in the Pittsburgh community. Uh, so for the most part, we, you know, we did just concentrate on the local market. Um, knowing that coaster fans from all over all over the country and the world would flock to the new record-breaking steel curtain coaster, uh, regardless. But you know, as Sean was saying, we tried to design the other interactive um, attractions to be more about competition, less about something that only Steelers fans would would enjoy. Let's talk about that coaster for a moment. I mean, one of the enduring questions that fans have for designers all the time is how do you decide which ride system talk us through the process where you got to that decision where the considerations uh, who sets down the requirements and how do you weed out some of the alternatives this is this is rick again i'll I'll briefly kind of talk about the steel curtain and then randy will have a a much more in-depth answer for ferrari With uh, with Kennywood and Steelers Country, the Steel Curtain was actually a design competition for ride vendors before we were we were involved. Um, okay, so we helped the owner with a few aesthetic details, including the um, the soon to be revealed coaster cars that, uh, that I believe are going to be revealed at IAPA. Um, but this was this was actually a predetermined uh, entity of the of the area. So, Ferrari. Well, yeah, this is Randy. Uh, you know. 
the simple the simple one there is that for Ferrari we were we were going for the world's fastest coaster, mm-hmm. and when you push that envelope, there there aren't many options. Right. Uh, you know, you, there, there's there's only probably a couple manufacturers that are willing to to go to that to that edge. So um, that made it pretty simple. Uh, then it was really a matter of like, oh, can can you actually perform um, at that at that high speed? So there's also there are also times where you know you can package a number of attractions together and and you know you you get a better uh, you get a better deal in the end. That's another way to to look mm-hmm. at uh, acquisition. You know, if if, um, if if one manufacturer can give me five rides, then I, I probably get a little bit better discount. So, and this is Sean. You know, looking. You know, those are two specific projects. But when you look, you know, generally when you're designing a theme park uh, like Randy and Rick do, it, it's really working with the client and looking at a whole variety of factors, including you know what's the target market for that ride. Or the overall land or the overall park how does it fit into the overall attraction program for the project you know what's the capacity and throughput requirements how much does it cost how does it fit on the site you know is it uniquely marketable and that goes back to what rick was talking about with steel curtain you know that that has a number of record-breaking attributes that kenny wood is certainly out there marketing so all those factors kind of you know factor in to uh the decision yeah and that brings me to the question of the context for all of these uh, attractions that are going to be going into uh, you know a particular park or land, and that's the whole idea of world building that I think so many fans are uh, really engaged by these days. I mean, you think about something like DC Comics or Harry Potter; they have those really richly defined worlds that you can then translate to theme parks, but. For sports, you're really you're talking about a stadium or a track, and that's something that's really kind of defined by, you know, the game or the race. Uh, is that enough to build a world around, or is are there other considerations you need to bring into play to make this a successful theme park destination? It's Randy again. Uh, you know, from from a racing standpoint, you try to find those those iconic uh, courses that can that can build a world you know race fans in particular you know they know these tracks they know them inside out they know the the different uh architectural attributes that each each uh, course has so they we would lock in on some of those things um in you know in f1 you've got the paddock and and other things that do um you know speak pretty clearly to to the fans so you know we can build on that it, it's it's not usually as fantastic or uh you know we, we we're, we're really based in reality so yeah we, yeah we have to play with that uh or those attributes more often um what do you guys think about sports i i think it's you know sports is not unlike a you know great movie or a book in that these sports teams you know, have a lot of drama that we can tap into. You know, there's great games, there's great players, great teams, there's amazing plays, there's these big personalities, there's winning seasons and heartbreaking losses. And, you know, the good thing about is when, you know, our team is creating these experiences, these are authentic. We're not making these up. So it's really right. about creating opportunities where guests can feel and, and relive all those great moments um, and, and those emotions related to their fanship for their team. 
Yeah, and I, and I can say with Steelers, you know, it's it, it, it's not quite the same scale as Ferrari um, footprint wise. Right. Um, dealing with a, just uh, a zone within a, within a larger park, um, and with our vision of a game day experience, you know, we we had a decent amount to work with. Heinz Field provided us with a number of design details, as well as um, creating the whole tailgate feel in the plaza area, just to bring the, the, those game day um, elements to life uh, is what we were playing off of there. Some of the other elements that obviously are going to be in a uh, you know a theme park uh, attraction, uh, you know, you're talking about food and beverage and merchandise. How much do you as designers work with the park on those other things or is that just something that that comes in later in the process and you're not particularly involved I mean, every project's a little different um in, in Fer ferrari's instance uh they wanted to make sure there was a uh, an italianness to all the food mm -hmm. uh, when and whenever possible of course it's you know it's also in a place where you've got a, a blend of, of food culture, so you have to try to represent everything. But so from a from an architectural standpoint or a design standpoint, we were very involved in trying to get that character, that Italian uh, beast, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a trattoria or you know, pizzeria kind of feel that that came mm -hmm. through in each in each place. There's the specific food offering was not really our thing, but it you know we were, there were definitely a lot of discussions about that. Yeah, and for Steelers Country, you know, we were involved in the initial discussion on uh, on food and uh, merchandise, but ultimately the operator is going to have to decide what items they want to sell right. at Steelers Country. Um, the key to the, the key though is to sell unique only here merchandise, right? Um, like T-shirts with Steelers Country or the Steel Curtain poster logo as opposed to you know going to a team store or a, right. a target or something and buying a Steelers t-shirt yeah you can get a jersey anywhere right so, so why do you need to come to the park for that right, right. exactly I mean the other thing we got in terms of retail um, you know Ferrari has a pretty established uh, oh yeah offering. <laughs> but they we found that in the park we had this opportunity to do some unique you know only here kind of things so we had one shop that was really about racing and and today's racing memorabilia so you know very one-off items i mean signed uh jerseys uh you know shirts things that um only their drivers could provide uh then we did another one where we did a very kind of uh, historical shop where again things that were only available through their kind of archive of, of pizzas. Uh, so unique items, and, and in there we even got into like lifestyle elements that uh, leather goods and things that were very um, historic, uh, and historically inspired. So that was yeah. kind of fun to get to play with a, a different kind of store that really had a high, you know, high, higher price point yeah. um, that could be just only Ferrari could offer at that place. And right. Robert, I think yeah. with these examples that Randy and, and Rick just went through, I mean, like you said earlier, it's about world building. So mm -hmm. we look at the, the food and beverage and the merchandising, all part of that thematic treatment, and it has to support it. You know, not unlike when you 
uh, exit Forbidden Journey for Universal Studios and you go into the Harry Potter shop, that's still an extension of the experience. It's not separated. So I think we look to make sure that that touch point is authentic to the rest of the land. Right, because Ferrari is a uh, is that's a high end luxury brand. Uh, so I think there's going to be an expectation that the guest is going to be able to get some high end luxury stuff when they're in that park. Yeah, absolutely. There, actually, that that store, that main store, like broke all kinds of per cap records. Basically, well, higher than any other Ferrari store. Wow. Okay, so that, that was high end for the high end. Yeah, that's nice. It did. They did really well there. <laughs> yeah, one of the things we haven't directly addressed yet is the location for these two um, t two examples that we're we keep coming back to. I mean, Steelers Country is going to go in you know a park right near Pittsburgh, United States, kind of East Coast, whereas Ferrari World is in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, Middle East. Um, do you think there's a difference in American theme park fans' openness to sports-themed attractions versus fans in other countries? And what are some of the other kind of cultural and regional differences that you have to uh, that that affected the way that you approached these two themes and these two environments? You know, in in general, you're gonna see you're gonna start seeing more and more of these sports-themed uh, attractions popping up around the world. Um, okay. For two reasons, you know, one is because, as you know, IP is king right now. I mean, everybody right. wants right. to tap into that IP, and those are right now, I would say, some underutilized brands that are, that are global in their reach. Um, you know, for example, I know that uh, Real Madrid has been planning some exciting things. You know, so I think you're going to see a lot of stuff for um, football teams in Europe and around the world creating these destinations. So I don't think it's just an American thing. I think fandom is is a global thing. Yeah, I mean the only difference is is the type of sports that we like here in America versus the rest of the world. Yeah, most of the world is soccer and racing, and over here we've got you know football and basketball and baseball, baseball and NASCAR. Sports fans really can't get enough of their favorite. Yeah, fans team. are fans. Fans yeah. are fans, right? <laughs> and I mean, and you think that's going to translate into theme parks? Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring up, and I may contradict myself a little bit, because when, when Rick was just listing all of the American sports, right, when you go to a place like England, soccer or football is king, and, and that fandom is so fierce that maybe that's why you don't create a Manchester United theme park, because the people, you know, who are looking for Manchester FC would never go, because it's so fierce, because yeah. that's their really their key also got an interesting an interesting geographical uh dilemma over there because all of those teams are five eight miles away from each other exactly. where here uh, yeah the, the east coast teams are a little closer together but you know denver for example doesn't have anybody within a couple hundred miles right as right. competition so yeah <clears throat> Yeah, but if Denver fans still don't want to go see the Oakland Raiders park. Yes. <laughs> but that's what's great about it. The Oakland Raiders don't have to, you know, they're not next to right. marketing right. that. Right. 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 Whereas Chelsea would be marketing against Man Liverpool. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. The, the theme park has to have a broader geographic base to support itself than the, than the football club and than the Premier League has. Exactly. Right. right. 
One more point about uh, you know getting to the uniqueness of sports is that, as you said, IP is king right now. And for 99% of the projects, that's going to be an entertainment IP. Uh, and those are almost always scripted. I mean, they're tightly controlled by their creators. I mean, the stories within this industry about J.K. Rowling and the Wizarding World are, are, are legend at this point. Uh, but sports don't always follow a script. I mean, team orders and F1 notwithstanding. Uh, you know, you've got slumps and injuries and trades and free agency and off the field stuff. All of that kind of scramble the narrative for a sports brand. How do you accommodate that unpredictability when you're charged with designing an attraction that you hope is going to stand there for decades? Well, I, I think part of it is you have you have to concentrate a lot of the storyline on the historical aspect uh, mm -hmm. of the team. I mean, that's you know, that's not going to change. We right. could, maybe we could look at it with a different uh, skew from time to time, but you know. So those components are there. That helps. Mm -hmm. um, it, with the Steelers, though, you've also got to be careful with his, history because uh, any players that you want to feature who have who have retired own their own likeness. Right. Suddenly, once you know, once once they're featured, then they're going to uh, require some kind of a compensation compensation or something like that. So you know, you, you've got to be careful. Uh, no matter which way you do it, with current players, um, you know, like you mentioned, they can be traded, cut, injured. Um, mm -hmm. Plus, you've got to deal with the players' union and its rules and how many players you're allowed to feature and how large they can be in the space. So, what we've you know kind of discovered is that by concentrating on the team itself instead of individuals, um, the experience becomes more timeless. You know, I think also in addition to history. You can also leverage the unique personality of, of that particular team. You know, for example, we've worked with both the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. And the Dallas Cowboys, the designs that we did were very glitzy and future and, and modern, even though they have a history, but that's their personality. Whereas Green Bay Packers was much more history based. So, you know, that aspect of that team is timeless. You know, Steelers, the Steelers have their own unique personality for gritty and tough and blue collar and you know, so I think that we're tapping into that as well. So I think personality is a, is a big thing that you can uh, work with. Yeah, because now I'm thinking about it at Ferrari World. I think there was only really one place where I ever saw any images of Ferrari drivers. It was really much more about kind of those enduring elements of the brand as opposed to individuals who've been behind the wheel. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, there, there were some historical pieces you know drivers that won championships I right yeah you, know, you want you want to concentrate on their current drivers that's what the fans know but you know during our project you know the the teams changed right right so you know now the the guy that we're concentrating the most on is gone they don't ferrari doesn't want to talk about them anymore because they're right. now racing for another team mm -hmm. you know it was uh, we we I think we actually reshot one attraction because you know we had we had gone from one driver to another. Yeah. So we had to shift right in midstream. We had to rethink uh, one of the attractions. Yeah, I can remember. Um, I briefly worked with Randy a little bit on the Ferrari uh, attraction as well. But eat, like the sponsors on the cars not only change from year to year, but they change from race to race depending on what country they're racing in. Right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, how how do you how do you feature cars, the current cars in there? So that was a, that was challenging as well. I think what was unique about you know what Randy and his team did for Ferrari was 
they focus. We talked about personality, you know, earlier. It's probably you could probably broaden that a bit to culture, you know. So our team focused on the culture of Ferrari, not only the brand, but then what you did to, you know, expand that reach, you know, and that uh, attractiveness to greater market was to look at the culture of Italy. You know, it's it's food mm-hmm. and it's photography. You know, this is a, a great. These are great things to tap into from a thematic standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I, I think again, if you if you look at you tapping into the culture of a particular sports brand, then it becomes a lot more opportunities. Right. If you can broaden it, then, then it's not just, well, you know, we would always say, well, you know, Ferrari's got, uh, you know, this this middle-aged male market kind of wrapped up. Well, but how do we make it bigger? Mm-hmm. And that's when we got into the other, other components, culture and history and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it becomes more interesting to a lot of other people. Gary, did you... Then you've got that world. And you've created a world, right? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to just another example of expanding it is when we worked with Green Bay, we obviously had the history, but then we tapped into the educational aspect of it, which you think would be a reach. But we wanted to uh, work with local schools to use the Packers as a way to educate kids about nutrition and physical fitness and so forth and so on. So, you know, that is a part of the culture of sports. That is mm-hmm. relatable to a different demographic that uh, is still authentic. Ultimately, you know, it's still all about storytelling, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you just got some different stories to tell here. Ferrari World is there. It's been there for a while. You know, not a huge number of Americans have been there, but some have. I have. It's a great place. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, but Steelers Country, that's coming in the future. Um, let's uh, l- let's hype that a little bit. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what fans can expect when they visit Kennywood and go to Steelers country next year. <laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly what I'm allowed to. Uh, <laughs> All right. But, so obviously the, uh, the, 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 the pearl, the diamond is going to be the coaster, um, the steel curtain. Uh, it's record-breaking coaster. I think it's setting nine American records or something like that. Um, and then Steelers country, the, 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 uh, we're, we're, there's going to be a brand experience area, and that brand experience is is kind of what Sean was talking about earlier, where there's going to be a lot of competition uh, and things like that, where guests are going to be able to um, wear an RFID band and you know throw footballs through targets, uh, run a 40-yard dash, uh, do do training camp style obstacle courses, uh, things like that, and then we'll have a um, a large Jumbotron, a, uh, a scoreboard uh, reminiscent of the, the scoreboard at Heinz Field, and that will show results uh, for guests who would like that. Oh, wow. and you'll have results, you know, daily leaders, hourly leaders, or seasonal leaders. So if you're a, a season ticket holder and you want to come back, and you might be the uh, 2019 passing yardage champion of Steelers country. Um, so there's that. We've also got the uh, the outdoor tailgate area. Um, and an indoor Steelers themed restaurant, as well as some Midway uh, themed games. Um, and uh, there will be a number of photo ops as well and a, a nice retail store. Did I hear right? We're going to get a reveal of the coaster train at IAPA coming up here soon? That was the plan as of mid June. Um, I, don't, I don't know where that stands, um, I, but that was the plan. So hopefully, it, hopefully that's, that's the way it still is. Well, we, we always get some interesting news out of IAPA, so hopefully we'll have a little bit about Steelers country there. 
All right, Kai. I, this this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, it's. I think this is fascinating to think about where uh, theme parks will be going with sports in their ever-growing appetite for IP. And I, I think you guys, obviously you guys have got great experience with this already, so you're ahead of the curve. Uh, but I think it's just, uh, it's it's really interesting to see what the opportunities are to build some worlds around these sports brands. So, so thank you very much for uh, your insight.